0: Well, good morning. Good morning. When I was a kid growing up and he got sick, they gave us castor oil. Some of you who are older would remember that. Have you ever had castor oil? It's really not the most pleasant stuff in the world. For those of you who heard me the first time, I'm sorry i got to do this again. I hope I'm better than castor oil. That's my, my pitch right there for sure. It is good to be here. When Rob called me on Thursday and he had talked to me about coming and explained Mike Haynes' father passed away, I said, you know, I, if I can help you, I'll be glad to do it. And I told Rob at the time, I had a verse in mind I've been working on, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's my favorite verse, if you know it. And said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, the Lord Jesus, and He will do what? He'll direct your path. And I've been working on that for several weeks and thinking, uh, this is the direction the Lord wanted me to go. But, you know, the more I worked on it, the more I worked on it, the more I realized I didn't ask the Lord. That wasn't what He wanted. So, you know, I said, okay, Lord, what is it you want? And so He brought me back to a passage that I've thought about many times and the church needs to think about. The church needs to make it their, uh, I guess I would say, They need to make it something that's so special They say, yeah, we've got to do this And we've got to do it on a daily basis You're in the middle of transition Your church is now going down a road It's not been for now in several years And you're going to be looking for a new pastor And I can guarantee you that all of you Have different ideas about what kind of pastor You ought to have here Now this morning, first service, I used the example of ice cream Who doesn't like ice cream? Anybody here? I'd be surprised about that but I'm not going to talk about ice cream. I'm going to talk about your favorite team, the Royals. How many like the Royals? Well, oh, thank you, brother. Yeah, There's at least three of us that like the Royals. How many of you like the Cardinals? Boy, I tell you, the church is split already. I can't believe it. Well, you know... And all of you who are Cardinals fans would say, well, there's a reason why we like the Cardinals. They won more championships. They're just a better ball team. They look better. They're dressed better. Uh, you know, and others would say, well, you know, the Royals have won some championships, too. And, well, that was by chance. you know. That after all, you know, they beat, they, they beat the Cardinals back in the One World Series. I can't remember what that was. Back in the 80s sometime, I think it was. And there was debates about whether or not they actually won that. So you all have preferences, don't you? Some of you prefer one team, some of you prefer the other. And the interesting thing about that is we all have preferences about a lot of different things. Now, I didn't even talk about all the different flavors of ice cream in the first service. All I talked about was vanilla and chocolate. And some like vanilla and some like chocolate. That's your preference. But others said, you know, there's other... Kinds of ice cream besides vanilla and chocolate. So I said, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't go down that road. (laughs) We didn't have time to go down that road. What I'm trying to tell you is that all of you have a preference. If you have a pastor that you want, some of you already thought, I want a certain type of pastor. He's got to have this kind of a family. He's got to have this much experience. He's got to have this, this, and this. And all of you are already thinking what you'd like to have in a pastor. If you haven't thought that, raise your hand. Only one. The truth is, all of you have an opinion about what you're looking for. And the truth is, that's okay. But what's more important than your opinion is what God's opinion is. What does God say? And how are you going to get on the same page with God the Father to understand where you need to go in order to find the pastor you need to have to help lead the church, the direction the church needs to go? How are you going to do that? And of course... Prayer is one of the things that's so very important. So would you find, please, Second Chronicles seven 14. We're going to start there. Would you find that in your Bibles? I hope you brought your Bibles. And then would you stand? Let's honor the Word of God by reading it as we stand before Him. Second Chronicles. And I'm going to start with actually verse 12. I didn't in the first service, but I am today. This is the Lord's response to the people as they were dedicating a temple. And here's what He says. I have, uh, the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I close the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. And turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. My eyes will now be open and my ears attentive to prayer from this place. And I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. God's telling us if we're willing to humble ourselves and come before him, he will answer prayers. And are we willing to humble ourselves and say, God, it's what you want Not what I want. Boy, there's a a whale of difference in those two things. And so let's pray. Father, as we come to this time of looking at your word this morning and what it has to say to us, may we be responsive to what you want and not so much what we think. Because what we think is really not important. Your direction is important. Your direction for the person you want to be here to lead this church, to help find the people who are lost in this community and all around. Lord, that's so important. So we want to yield to you this morning. May you help us examine our hearts. And may we be willing, Father, to open our hearts to what you want instead of what we want. And Father, we pray this now and ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Would you be seated? Prayer's an interesting thing. And sometimes circumstances around us drive us to our knees after everything else has failed. Case in point, and I asked the earlier service, how many of you were alive on June the 12th? 1873. A little different, isn't it? So you got to wait for the whole thing. Farmers that were in southwestern Minnesota saw what they thought looked like a snowstorm converging on them early in the, early in the year, spring of the year. But then they heard a roar of beating wings, and what they saw seemed to be like snowflakes, but in fact they were grasshoppers. That's bad news in Minnesota because they're crop farmers there. At least in that day they were. In a matter of hours, knee-high fields of grass and wheat had been up almost to the knees and waist, and places were eaten to the ground by hungry grasshoppers. It destroyed their crops. All their revenue was gone and lost because of those grasshoppers. The grasshoppers' dramatic descent was just beginning, though, for five years. For five years, from 1873 to 1877, the grasshoppers came and destroyed the wheat, the oats, the corn, the barley fields, in Minnesota and surrounding states. And in 1876 alone, grasshoppers visited, they recorded 40 Minnesota counties and destroyed 500,000 acres of crops. So in the spring of 1877, farmers were worried. They did not want a repeat of what had happened the five years before, but they were very worried. The situation was so serious that the governor, John S. S. Pillsbury, Of the the state Proclaimed April 26th As a day of prayer and fasting He urged every man Every woman Every child To ask God to prevent This terrible scourge From happening again So on that day On April All the schools Were closed The shops were closed Stores were closed Offices were closed There wasn't anything open There was a reverential Quiet across the state And they prayed They begged Asked God don't let this happen again. The next day, the temperatures soared to summer-like temperatures, which was odd for this time of year. It was very unusual in April. Minnesotans were devastated as they discovered that billions of grasshopper larvae were wiggling to life. And for three days, the unusual heat continued. That had not happened before, and the larvae hatched. And guess what they got? Grasshoppers. And it looked like it wouldn't be long before they started feeding and destroying the wheat crops that they already put in. Here they go again. But on the fourth day, the temperature suddenly dropped, and that night, frost covered the earth. You know what it did to those grasshoppers? Killed every last one of them. Now tell me that that was just a coincidence. I think it was a hand of God in the midst of all of that. People got on their knees and begged and prayed. Listen, the United States of America needs to be on their knees begging and praying. For God to be merciful to us. Christians need to unite. We're in trouble folks. We're in serious trouble. We just can't be lackadaisical. We need to be on our knees praying. See those grateful farmers never forgot that day. It went down in history of Minnesota as the day that God answered the prayers of the people. And there's stuff written about it. Others say no it wasn't so big. Yeah it was big. God acted on that day. And this church. This church, National Highest Baptist Church, is now in the process of going to seek a new pastor. You're forming a committee and all those things to help you walk down that path. Listen, there is a need for you to pray for the committee. There is a need for daily prayer. There is a need for you weekly to meet together and pray and say, Oh God, would you help that committee not to have a bias, but to have an openness to say, What do you want, Lord, instead of what we want? Would you agree? Are you awake? Would you agree? Yeah, that's important, you see. The conditions that God set forth for Israel's forgiveness in Solomon's prayer are there, and he emphasized four specific things. I want to touch on that, and really the church here ought to be thinking about these things uh, in your life. God expects, number one, a spirit of humility. It says, if you will humble yourself, if you will humble yourself and then what? And pray. The reason we humble ourselves is we come before God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have these things wrong in my life. I need to be right before you. And we get our heart right. And God's able to hear us when we have our pride out of the way. If you're not willing to pray and get your pride out of the way, God has a hard time. It's not that he can't hear you. But pride goes before destruction, the Bible says. That's what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride is a dangerous thing. And so we shouldn't look at ourselves as prideful, but we should look at ourselves in a sense of saying, God, what do you want? And we get our needs to praise. He expects, he expects this spirit of humility. Proverbs 16, 18 says, When pride comes, disgrace falls, but with humility comes wisdom. Did you get that? With humility before God, he's going to impart wisdom to you to help you understand what you need to go, do and what you need to go. Wouldn't it just be so tremendous that if the first service, the second service, and all those people who are members would come together and in harmony, on their knees, praying, saying, God, we want your will. What might God do with this place? He'll turn it upside down. That's what He'll do. He'll make a difference in this church. That's what He'll do. Not that it's bad now, but it could be what God wants it to be. So much better, and God wants that for you. See, Proverbs 16, 8 says, When pride comes, disgrace falls, but when humility comes, wisdom. So why is it that God expects the spirit of humility first? Humility does this. It abolishes the idea of our leading so that we can be led by the Spirit of God. I said this earlier. Have you ever tried to tell a two-year-old what to do, and they're going to tell you what you're going to do? Have you ever had that experience? We had some grandchildren. They're pretty hard-headed. They're like their grandma, not like me, that's for sure. And if Diane's here, she would be gone now, J.C., and I'm in trouble. But the truth is, when you have a spirit that says, I'm going to do this, and I'm determined to do this, and you won't listen to God, you're going to, you're going to walk down a path that's probably going to get you in trouble. You see, we have to get rid of our leading so that God can lead. Pride says, I need to lead. I need to be heard because of what I have to say or the way I want to lead is right. You see, our problem is that our way is not God's way. Listen, when that committee gets together, there might be people saying to the committee members, listen, we ought to look for this kind of pastor, we ought to look for that kind of pastor. You know, and you know... This is what you ought to be doing. I've seen it. I've heard it. It happens in churches. But the truth is, those people who want to do that, what you should be doing is praying for the committee instead of telling them what to do. Follow the Lord's lead and guidance. That's what has to happen. So here's the other thing. When when you're allowing God to to work in your life and you're humble, humility produces the right kind of fruit that will last because it's God-given and not man-made. And that's an amazing thing. You see, everything that you and I can produce apart from God and from the leading of God... Won't last, it won't make any difference in our lives or the lives of lost people. We can start program after program, we can start events and things, we can start people participating in things, but unless it is God's guidance and direction, we're just barking up the wrong tree, so to speak. You know, the truth is that God's way of doing ministry is going to reach people for Jesus that we'll never be able to touch because He'll lead us intentionally to touch people's lives that we hadn't thought about. There are people all around you. That God wants to direct you to, that God wants you to touch, and maybe already He's put somebody in your mind, and you know it, but you've not intentionally spent time with them. Because you say, "I just don't have time." I, I don't. Yes, you do. There's nothing more important than leading people to Jesus Christ. Really, there's not. Listen, and when we don't consult God, we make mistakes. Do you remember? And I aside this earlier that in Joshua, the book of Joshua, when Joshua crossed over into the Holy Land, they went to Jericho, and they the walls of Jericho came down. They had a, a great victory. But one of the things they were instructed to do was do not take any spoils. That's holy unto the Lord. But there was a man within the camp that did take stuff, put it under his tent. And when they go to do battle at Ai, uh, Joseph, he's, he's been talked to about, well, there's only a, a minimal amount of people. Let's just send up 3,000. So Joshua says, okay, do that. So they went and they were defeated. And men lost their lives. And people were saying, what happened? And and Joshua is just broken-hearted. You know what happened with Joshua after the battle of Jericho? He did not stop. He did not consult the Lord about AI. He just said, yeah, let's do this. He didn't go back to the source. What happens when we have a victory sometimes is that we look at what we did and we forget to give God credit and then we get in a mess. And that's what happened in, in their case. So, you know, we have to get on our knees. We have to be humble. The second thing is God expects the body to pray together. I, I guess I shouldn't ask the question but I'm going to ask it anyway. When's the last time this body, both congregations, those who were in the, the early service and this service, when's the last time you all got together and you really genuinely prayed and got on your knees and said, God, we need your help in guidance? When's the last time that happened? You see, churches must be in prayer together. It's, it's what brings them together in spirit. There are a number of New Testament examples of corporate prayer. In Acts 1, 13 through 2, 1, they gather in the upper room. Pentecost came after they prayed. In Acts 4, 24, and 31, the church prayed together for Peter and John who were in prison. And it says, the place is shaken. <laughs> I asked her, how many of you have ever been in a, uh, you know, an earthquake? That's not much fun, is it? On well, something like that, kind of scary. But can you imagine if God would just shake this place and shake people in their hearts? What a, what a tremendous thing it would be. You see, when we pray together, it moves us from my page to God's page. And secondly, when we pray together... It unifies, it unifies our hearts, our mind, and our spirit. And it produces the fruit of a willingness to serve. When your heart and your mind and your spirit, you're all on the same page. And when something is needed, people just start coming out and say, I'll do that. I'll take care of that. Let's serve. Let's serve together. There's a need for that kind of spirit within the church. It's God's children who we humble ourselves before Him in prayer and seek His face with our hearts. And our minds get connected with His heart and His face then God has us at the right position to hear without our bias before Him. Listen to Psalm 62, 1 and 2. I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. Verse 2 says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. See, my confidence is in God. It's not in me. It's always in God, not in me. The third thing is this. God expects us to seek His face. He expects it. Seeking God's face is a part of surrendering my heart to Him, and I need to put my faith and my trust in Him on a daily basis. It provides me with the right perspective when I seek God. Matthew six thirty three tells us this but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? His his what? His righteousness, not my righteousness, because mine's like filthy rags. his righteousness. And then he says, All these other things will be what? And what are those other things? It's fruits. It's the spirit of your work. It's loving on people. It's people being affected with your love and saying, my goodness, how that church loves people. And they get infected with that. It becomes infectious and it's good. That's a good kind of infection, by the way, not a bad, for sure. Psalm, 50, 130, uh, Psalm 135 and 6 says, I wait for the Lord. I wait and put on my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. You see, praying takes time, but it also takes learning to wait on Him. Some of you right now, right now be thinking about, hmm, dinner, lunch is coming, what am I going to have? Ever been guilty of that? I have. But but our, our focus, we have so much little time, it seems like, anymore. I shared the first service. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would make baked potatoes. But you know how she made make baked potatoes? We didn't have microwaves. She buttered those things up. She'd cut them, slice them, butter them up. Then she put them in foil. And she put them in the oven for an hour and a half, maybe two, and cook those rascals. And boy, they were so good when they came out. But now we get impatient if we can't go through a, a line in... God must be calling. There we go. We might be patient in a line uh, waiting for ice cream or something to be served. And, it, and we, we're impatient because it doesn't come out just like that. We, we just are not very patient. So besides that, the second thing is we need to seek His face to provide the spiritual food we need. Uh, I need spiritual food. You need it. Hebrews eleven six says this, Now without faith it's impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who seek Him. Do you all believe that God wants the best for this church? Amen. Yeah. Do you? Are you willing to say, God, I'm going to set aside my bias, my stuff that I want, and I'm going to let you lead? Are you willing to do that? That's easier said than done. But well, I pray that you are, because that's what's going to get you the right pastor, the man that, that God wants to be here. And in Hebrews four 13, twelve thirteen says this: For the word of God is living and effective, and sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating as far as to divide the soul, the spirit, the joints. And tomorrow, it is a judge of the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. God's telling us we need to read Scripture. We need to read His Word so He can help us understand what our heart is like. If you don't read His Word, and you're not in His Word on a daily basis, it's hard for God to speak to you because your mind's so distracted by all the stuff in the world. If you think I'm kidding, go home, put up your cell phone, Don't turn on the television, don't turn on the radio, get rid of your internet, do all that stuff. for. See if you can live without that for a day. Most of us can't live without it for five minutes. Last night I was eating with some friends and they had two of their grandsons with them and they had their cell phones constantly on those things. I was just laughing at them. Saying, you have time to eat? Oh yeah, in a minute. (laughs) It's amazing how we let those things... Now listen, if those things have our attention... When does God get our attention? When does that happen? Wow no creature is hidden from him but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who who we must give an account You see the true reward of seeking God brings us into this right relationship by pointing our need to change and giving faith and giving us faith to live each day and have victory over Satan. The last thing, which is in this passage, is this. God expects to, us to repent of personal and corporate sin. Nehemiah 1.6 lays it out for everyone to see. Let your eyes be open. Let your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer, that I may pray to you night and day for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins that we have committed against you. Both I and my father's household have sinned. Listen, when we're praying and we're... Being open to God. It allows God the opportunity to help us identify where we're failing. And it's not that those things are always bad. But there's sometimes we're just falling short. And when we come together and ask the Lord to help us with our shortcomings, He will. Listen, if we're too proud to get on our knees together, we're not going to reach people for Christ. It's just not going to happen. And isn't that part of what the church is about? Isn't Jesus Christ... It wasn't his coming about being redemptive in nature. And if that's what it's about, we have sometimes forgotten. And it's not just meeting on Sunday, it's about who are we concerned about? Who are we praying for? So we need to examine our lives together and identify to the Lord how we're not succeeding. Second, examine our church body enables us to pray for one another. You have a need, you have a need, you have a need, you have a need. And that need could be something that maybe nobody knows about. But when you come together in prayer and you're sharing what your needs are, you're praying for those things, God has a way of taking care of those things. You're supporting one another in the midst of that. Your greatest need, really as a church, is to be humble and listening to what God has to say instead of what you think. The third thing is to examine our church body, helps us to focus on what God wants, not what we want. John 15 says this, If you remain in Me and My words remain in you, you ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. You did not choose Me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit, that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He will give you. And so, when you come together and you examine your own church about love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, He says, against such... The things there is no law. Jesus is saying, "These are the things we want to develop in you." That's what happens when you pray together. You know these words. Say it with me. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, I would challenge you this week to do this. First, I would challenge you to pray individually and say, God, I want to honor your name. I want your kingdom to come in my life. I challenge you to do that this week. And secondly, I challenge you to pray in groups of three or four. Get to get to people's houses. Begin praying for the pastor God wants to call. He wants to be here. Start praying for the committee. We don't know who all that is yet, but you start praying for the committee and saying, "God, that, that those people on the committee. I'm praying that they'd be devoted to you." And you pray for the leaders in your church. And then you pray each Sunday. And each Sunday when you come together, don't forget. That you have a mission, that God's giving you a kingdom mission, that redemption is the key. And then would you pray that God would give you a a, a hunger for lost people, a definite hunger for lost people. I shared in the first service, there are some things that I think we sometimes take for granted when we look at John 3.16 and 17 and 18. John 3.16 tells us that God, what? Loves us. Say it with him, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But you can't stop there. See, God offers His love, but love has to be received, and the only way it can be received was through Jesus. And John three seventeen says, God sent His Son Jesus in the world, not to condemn the world, but the world for Him might be what saved, and so. He says, I love you, but he says, I'm sending Jesus to bring redemption to your heart and life. And then the third thing is John three eighteen, which it says this. For those who are in Christ Jesus are not condemned, but for those who have not received Jesus Christ are condemned already. That puts you in two categories. You either know Jesus as your Savior and you're going to go to heaven with Him, or you don't know Him as your Savior or lost. You're going to spend eternity away from Him in hell. Folks, that's the crux of what we're looking at. That's what we need to be thinking about. People who are lost. Let's not just be comfortable. You know, you're at a crossroads where you can go out and do some things for the Lord. Not the chapter before, but I'm just challenging you to think about this. John chapter 3 verse 30, a verse of scripture that's just real simple. It's short. Real simple. He must increase, but I must decrease. John was saying as a precursor, precursor to Jesus, listen, you've been listening to me, you've been seeing me baptize people, John the Baptist, but he said, I want to tell you, there's a man coming after who's whose shoe I'm not even worthy to latch, he was talking about Jesus, he says, listen, he's the man you need to be looking to. We need to be, have less and less of ourselves and more and more of Jesus in our heart. Not that we don't, but we need to have him as a focus point. Today, as we come to this time of God's invitation, not mine, but God's, And our musicians are going to come and they're going to help us get ready uh, for this time of invitation. I want to ask you today, do you know Christ in your heart? Is He really your Savior? Do you know, are you in Jesus Christ? Not just know about Him, but have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? second thing I ask you is this. Some of you, maybe you've been attending here for a while and you've been thinking about joining here. And you're saying, well, no, they don't have a pastor yet, so I don't want to join. Listen. If God's called you here, it doesn't make any difference if you have a pastor or not. If God's called you here, you need to join here. And you need to come and be a part of the church. You need to get to work in the church. The church needs you. And so don't say no to God. Say yes to Him and follow Him. And it could be in another way that some of you, I can't imagine this in a church, is it possible that somebody is crossways with somebody else? Is it possible that somebody's been upset with somebody else? Is it possible that there needs to be a reconciliation between two people or a family? Is it possible that those families haven't spoken to one another in five or ten years? Listen, if that's the case, God says the church needs to be on the same page. So we need to learn to forgive one another and forget those things. And we need to move on to Christ. That's what Satan wants to do. He doesn't want you to be united in the Spirit. But Satan's not going to win the battle. God's going to win it. He is. So this morning, when we get ready to sing, in just a moment, we're going to stand. And when we do that, if you have a decision to make, Brian's going to be here at the front. If you need to come and pray, I already told you, you can pray for that new pastor. You don't know who he is. I don't know who he is, but you need to be praying that God would bring the right person here. Let's get our hearts in the right spirit. Let's move the right direction. Let's walk together in the Lord this morning. Would you stand, please? And as I pray... If you have a decision to make Don't even wait until I'm finished. Just come on Start talking to Brian right here Father we want to say thank you Again for what your word has to say to us Thank you for how You have made it clear and plain That you're the leader That we're the followers That your kingdom comes uh, Not our kingdom is to come And that the man you want to come here You've already picked And it's already He may not even know it yet But Lord you're prompting him Getting him ready to come to this place And Father I pray for him I pray for his family uh, it's going to be a, a time of challenge uh, for him to think about moving uh, But Lord, you know what he needs to do So Lord, we're praying for him I'm praying for others this morning who maybe don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior Lord, they need to come They need to give their heart and life to Jesus And he died for them He wants to redeem them unto himself So Father, I pray that they might respond And if there are others, Lord, just need to come and get on their knees and pray this morning Or come and sit down in front pew and just pray together Lord, uh, help them to move and do that. So, fathers, we sing. This is your invitation. We trust you. We lean on you. We acknowledge you. And Lord, give us your direction. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, sing with us and move as God directs. you.